Welcome to Anytown, USA. Tonight we take you to a small town in the southern United States filled with law-abiding citizens ready for the annual deer hunting season to begin yet again, as it did last year and as it did the year before that. Nothing much changes, things keep going along in this down-to-earth town. Yet up in the sky, a flaming orb hurdles towards this town at a blistering pace. The orb crashes down on the outskirts of this sleepy town, and as the inhabitants prepare for business as usual, they should be preparing for a visitor from out of this world. This is It Records. Welcome back, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> to the It Records podcast. Tis I, Matt Johnson, talking to you again. And as always, they uh, we booked him, guys. Don't worry, we booked him. We got Peter and we got Lindsay here. We. <laughs> I'm not cheap either. <laughs> yeah, had to put a retainer down for Pete. However, yeah. I can be bought. <laughs> got that stimulus check today. You got That's it too. Right. I didn't fucking get mine. You didn't get yours? Wow. No, I'm fucking mad. I uh, bet mine's coming in. The, I bet mine's coming in the mail. Like okay. I bet. Oh yeah. It probably is. No, and it's not direct fuck, deposit. Yeah, even though I got direct deposit last year for taxes, and I'm gonna have fucking Trump's name on the goddamn check. Oh, I know. Right. I thought you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his big name right on that check. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be a giant check too. It just just like just gonna try and put it in my mailbox. <laughs> it's gonna be like one of those old TV shows where they brought you the check at your door or whatever it was. It's gonna be one of those for everybody. Yeah. Just, a just like stacked up, just like a thousand two hundred dollars. <laughs> oh yeah, thanks. Yeah. <sighs> this will good. almost pay my rent. <laughs> I mean, speaking of that, how how are you guys doing? What what have you been doing since we last spoke slash watching? Oh God. Anything that's horror related, I don't think I have. Like, um, besides this movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Like I said before, we started recording. I've been playing a lot of uh, Fire Emblem on my Switch, mm-hmm. and wa- and binging the shit of Doctor Who. That has been my days. <laughs> that sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as for me, it's been a lot of, uh, I restarted Charmed, um, and, oh, nice. uh, Desperate Housewives, so, um, that's what I do on my, uh, on my days home, so, uh, how about you, Matt? Nice. Good question. Um, I think I mentioned a while ago, I started Modern Family, because someone recommended it to me, uh, but only if they send me the DVDs. So, I watched one through four, and I finally got five through seven i think in the in the mail the other day so i have to start watching those okay. that'll be next on my list which by the way that show just ended last week i think uh was the series finale i didn't I even know it was still on didn't know it was still on the air it was like 11 or 12 seasons i think wow. something like that so i'll catch up on that i finished up the witcher that took me forever um i i moved and i got lost lost track of watching that show, so I finished Witcher, so that was awesome. And I saw Richard Jewell, that Clint Eastwood movie, about the uh, 1996 Atlanta Olympic bombings. Okay. Is that the one... No, that's not the one on the train. That was something else that he did. No, that was like... that. Yeah, that was the one that was, I think, filmed with the real people who stopped like a terrorist attack on a train in France. Yeah, yeah. Was it... Yeah, and the, he used the real soldiers, I think, to play the actors. As yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. I don't remember the name of that one, though. It was like 15-something. I don't know. It was like a number. Yeah, it. I wanted to say like 310 to Yuma, but that's not right. <laughs> yeah. But it's like that kind of a title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> I'm looking it up because I want to know. It has nothing to do with yeah. this movie whatsoever, but 
you know, mm-hmm. I used to like Clint Eastwood. Superman. Now, now I don't like him so much. He's he's made some bad movies. Yeah, same. Not so much anymore. <laughs> Take it back to Fistful of Dollars. I mean, he, what was it? Uh, Unforgiven. That's like his last good. No, Grand Tor- Grand Torino was pretty good. Yeah, yeah Million Dollar Baby. I think Grand Torino was after Million Dollar Baby. Was that it around is. 2013? Grand yeah, Torino right. was 2008. American oh, Sniper wow. was 2014, which I've never seen. Okay. Sully yeah. and Rio Richard Jewell. I guess he didn't do that, tra- that train movie. What the fuck? I could have sworn he did it. I did too. I thought he did. Or maybe he produced it. Um, I thought that was Clint Eastwood. Yeah, right? Yeah. I got I got from well, this train movie, not descriptive enough. <laughs> Fifteen Paris. seventeen to Paris. Okay, so it wasn't too far off. I'm yeah. going to to you. <laughs> you know, you just gotta. Fifteen seventeen to Paris. You times five, and then you know, I don't know. <laughs> you add a you two. Add seven. <laughs> oh, it is directed by Clint Eastwood. I guess I got a partial filmography. From Wikipedia. I hate when they do that. (laughs) Give me everything. (laughs) But to uh, round round out the uh, my watching, I watched. I haven't watched this one. It's a horror one though. Um, I have it on Blu-ray, Deep Red, by Dario Argento. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good movie. So that one. (laughs) <laughs> at first which is crazy because like i've seen that movie but like my brain processes it as red eye uh that like <laughs> you remember that yeah. movie <laughs> i don't know why i've never seen yeah. that movie but it just like it's been on my mind because i always thought that guy was creepy and i've always the wanted killing. to see it yeah killian right yeah isn't that west craven though too yes. it is west craven yeah that's west craven yeah. i have that movie that's i'll crazy. send it to you you can borrow it yeah. Yeah, send me send me a little mail pet little <laughs> What's it called again? A happy thing in the mail. What's it a good care package? Yeah, thank you. I was saying good package, <laughs> but I know that wasn't right. <laughs> I was like, it's Give one right of them right. good packages. <laughs> Not a bad package, a good one. <laughs> a bad package uh, is like anthrax and taxes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want those packages. Oh, shit. Uber pass. Well, that's what we've been watching this week, other than this movie we watched for the podcast, which we did, the 2006 film directed by James Gunn, Slither, which if you don't know, is a small town, is taken over by an alien plague, turning residents into zombies and all forms of mutant monsters. That's the basic premise, the idea of the movie, if you haven't heard of it. Throughout the years, these classic horror films had one thing in common. From Universal Pictures comes a film so shocking. Uh, we've got a real problem here. So disgusting. Don't let him in your mouth! It will change the face. They're doing things to people, turning them into some kind of monsters. How's everybody's evening? Good? Yeah, we watched Slither, and I believe this was Pete's pick this week? Yeah, it is. Why, uh, if I may ask Pete, why why, why Slither? <laughs> Good question. Um, one, because uh, before shit completely closed down, 
I rented three movies from this local uh, rental store. And I rented Slither, uh, Dodgeball, and uh, THX 1138, which is George Lucas's first movie. So I'm all over the place. <laughs> and then uh, I thought, like, Courtney would thought would think that Slither was funny or whatever. Because I remember really liking it. Because I've seen this movie before. I watched it uh, probably when I was like 18 or 19 years old. So it's been a while since I've seen it. And I was like, oh, this seems like a fun little romp. It's like, since I rented it, it's my next choice. Easy. I got it done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Had you seen it before? I've seen it before, but I haven't seen it in a long... Like, it's since I was like 18 or 19 years old. 18 or 19. Okay. Yeah. So like like nine years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh Lindsay, had you seen it before? Or is this first viewing for Slither? Never even heard of it. Um oh, Yeah. I was like, are we about to watch a snake movie or you know? It's close to a snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I'd never heard of it, didn't know anything about it. So uh yeah, it was new to me. Interesting. Had you heard yeah, of it I, or seen it before? I had never seen it, but I, I can remember this movie coming out. It was like 2006. I was in eighth grade. And I can... The the poster art, or the VHS art, whatever was popular at the time, uh, is very... It's like burned into my memory, where it's the girl in the tub, and it's all yeah. of the organisms, whatever they are, like coming towards it. Like that was burned into my brain. And yeah. I wanted to see it. But I don't think I was 17 at the time, so I couldn't go see it in theaters unless I like snuck in, which I didn't. Um, but it's always been on my radar. Uh, this is my first viewing, though, of Slither. This was my first James Gunn movie because I think he didn't. At the time I watched it, he didn't. He obviously didn't do Guardians yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. I've still never seen Super. And I think he, I don't remember if he's directed a trauma film, but I know he used to work with a lot of trauma films, which you see in the movie where one of the characters is watching Toxic Avenger, which is like the most famous trauma movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just for reference, Pete, Pete mentioned James Gunn. I mean, he's Guardians of the Galaxy uh, writer and director, right? Yeah. Like both of those? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's... And you'll notice... Oh, I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, what's his... You know who I'm talking about, Pete? Uh, Michael Roker? Yeah. Michael Roker is in Slither, but he's also in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's and it, Slither, I, I believe, is the first time they actually work together. And from then on out, he's in almost every James Gunn film he's ever done. I don't think I've ever made that connection because I, I just feel like I still haven't seen enough of James Gunn either because he hasn't directed a lot, or. Mm-hmm. He's or a big what? writer. I think he writes more than he directs, and if he directs, he wrote it. <laughs> like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Like I know mm-hmm. he's gonna do like the new Suicide Squad. Oh, he wrote mm-hmm. Scooby Doo. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I kind of forgot about that. Uh, he wrote Donald he, the Dead, which is pretty interesting. He also did uh, a movie we did on this podcast, a little trivia, early in the show. Do you guys know what movie we've done on the podcast that James Gunn wrote but did not direct? I already spelled it for myself because I'm looking at it right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have no idea, so I'm not even going to pretend like I know. Hit me with it. Yeah. Pete, you got it? The Belko Experiment. Ah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that would have been like right around Guardians time. 2016, I think, was the Belko experiment, and Guardians would have been around 2015, 2014. Yeah, it was like right after the. Was it the second? No, was it the first or second? Seven, the Guard- first one. Yeah, because second one I think was like 2017 or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, so that's James Gunn, uh, and I, th- I think this is one of his first real ventures into like horror, a horror genre. I don't really know a lot of his early stuff that he wrote, but a lot of his other stuff doesn't seem to be in that genre. No, I feel like 
I'm looking at it right now, and he said that he was like an associate on Tromeo and Juliet, which is a trauma film. And I don't think I would really consider that a horror movie, but it is very gross. <laughs> so, uh, as you we're about to get into, so there's a very gross movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that kind of gets into the horror significance. I would pose to you guys, you said it's very gross, where you guys might think this falls in a subgenre of horror. And it could be multiple, um, but we can kind of discuss where it falls. Um, definitely comedic and sci- sci-fi aspects to it, but overall probably just body horror movie is what I would classify it under. It's pretty spot on, honestly. Yeah. Like, from someone who wanted to see it, I didn't know um, it would have such a comedy element to it. Like, it's very, like, slapstick comedy horror, B-movie type horror uh, to it. Um, That's not, it's not, it's intended comedy. Like, yeah, it's slapstick. It's, It's like poking fun of itself, but also very much intense body horror <laughs> that yeah, I was not really expecting is. either. I did not expect both ends of that spectrum. Um, it's really weird because, yeah. like, seeing it again, like, I saw, like, obviously there's a, another movie that I love that's, like, very similar because, like, uh, Night of the Creeps is also kind of, like, about, like, yeah. um, a, like a Slytherin creature that goes into your brain and then it slowly kills you. I believe you turn into a... Yeah, you turn into a zombie. So it's, like, kind of similar, and then, like, the mm-hmm. body horror that this movie is is really gross. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what it reminds... It kind of reminds me of Society. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen it. It's very weird. Uh, slight spoiler, um, there's aliens in that movie. And uh, they look like uh, Michael Roker does, pretty much. They're just really gross, and they're having sex a lot in that movie. It's uh, it's very weird. It's a very weird movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, you mentioned like Night of the Creeps, and I feel like this movie does a good job of not only just Night of the Creeps, but a lot of homages to different horror films. Like, not two spoilers, but, you know, it could have Night of the Living Dead, The Thing, um, The Blob, even. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and I think it's pretty, it works well that it's referencing all those in this comedy. Like, not really poking fun of them so much at all. But I think when you're doing a lot of referential horror, uh, in a horror film where you're doing a lot of referential stuff to other movies, it works well when it's, like, meta or comedy. Like, Scream. Yeah. It's scary, but it's like it, it has that comedy element to it. Yeah. Now, uh, that's something that I ran across when I was reading, you know, uh, for notes in the movie about how it actually was kind of, there was this controversy of this movie being a ripoff of uh, Night at the Creeps. Is that right? That yeah. Were reference Pete. So do you think that's true? No, mm. I think it's just like heavily inspired you know i think it has enough differences where it's like i mean i feel like a lot of movies can claim it was a ripoff of something mm-hmm. like you know people say avatar is a ripoff of pocahontas or whatever but there's like enough differences in avatar to make it a different movie and that's okay. just my opinion but okay. i like to say the same thing for this for most movies that are inspired by other movies yeah and for like Night of the Creeps and, and this one, it there there's, I mean, as like the aliens going into your brain, like making you a zombie, that is an element in this film, but there's so much more going on. Like, so every, if you made every reference to another movie was a, like a ripoff, I feel like you, I, it'd be hard to pay homage to anything or like make original films even because you'd be like, oh, that's like this. Where it's destined to happen, almost. Like, that something is going to have the same element. Like, that's why there's genres, mm-hmm. I guess. The, like, the slasher genre, like, is Friday the 13th a ripoff of Halloween? No. Like, they're both slasher, stalker slashers, but there's enough differences between them. 
Like, you could say The Burning, I don't know if you guys are, is a total ripoff of Friday the 13th, which I agree with, but I love The Burning more than Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah. Because it just it just knows what it is in a Friday the 13th, well, Friday the 13th doesn't really know what it is until later on. Oh, definitely. That first movie is, like, all over the place. Like, I like it, but I feel like I don't really like it until, like, four, five, six, uh, even seven and eight. I like seven and eight. I like all those. And (laughs) I haven't seen nine. Ten is awful. And I like the remake. (laughs) Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of the podcast? I think it's uh, in Gorley. Wait. In Voorhees, we trust with Gorley and Rust. Yes, I have heard of it. I've I've not listened to it yet, but I want to. No, but that sounds intriguing. It's it's great. It's basically each episode of the podcast they're going over one movie in the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, but they start the podcast off with rating the movies in order based on what they remember. So they don't like they don't look at any critics or like watch them, but they're like. From what I remember, I think this one was pretty good. I'll give it a five. That's I, <laughs> then, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. And then they come back to it when they get to that movie. I feel like that's something I would do. Like if someone like, because I always mention to people that I love horror movies. And then they'd be like, oh yeah, from what I remember, like yeah, Friday the 13th, <laughs> four, that, that's pretty good. Something that's a good happened. one. Yeah. yeah it, <laughs> the kid was there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we, we've talked a little bit about the horror significance where it falls, but I guess we can go a little bit in the plot. Um, what what happens in this movie? We've kind of given you like a general idea of the movie, but you know where does it take off from? And from the beginning, the first scene is really it sets the tone. I thought is it's like these two cops, and you only see one really who is like, isn't he? He has radar gun and he's taking the speed of was it birds or something? Yeah, it's a birds. <laughs> yeah, and it's clearly like a boring town where nothing goes on, and then it, it like cuts to like a meteor coming down to the earth and like back and forth, back and forth until it finally hits, and then it's like kind of I don't like I don't know bluegrass or country type of music kicks on, and it shows the town, and you're immediately transported in this world where. The, Yes, there's maybe some alien substance or a meteor, but it, it's going to be a hell of a ride because of the tone of that song compared to like the, the cops who were like so bored and now there's like an alien. So you already know this movie is going to hit the fan really quick. It like picks so, up really fast too. Oh, agreed. Because within like the first 10 minutes is just, hey, here's the, the cop, the cop who wanted the girl, which is Nathan Fillion, by the way. Uh, which was very funny to me watching this because I just finished Big Mouth. Did you guys watch Big Mouth at all? I love Big Mouth. I love. And that one show. of the characters has an obsession with Nathan Fillion. So I was watching that as I watched this, and I went, "Oh my god, Nathan Fillion! He's just absorbing my life right now." <laughs> um, but he's the cop who's like the the good old boy who never left town. He's the cop, and we learn that he also has a crush and has always had a crush on. A character who's played by Elizabeth Banks, who is a school teacher in town. And we meet her, and she's teaching a class about, I believe, survival of the fittest. It's a Darwin class, so yeah. it's really about we only think that humans are the most of all species because nothing else has come along. Foreshadowing. Exactly. We have an alien. <laughs> and we learn that she is married to the, is he the sheriff of the town? I no. forgot what he does. Elizabeth Banks? No, who she's married to. Uh, he... Michael Rooker's character, Grant. I don't think he's the sheriff. He's just like some... They never showed what he did. I don't remember. Okay. But he's well to, well to do, has a lot of money. Apparently. Yeah, he's a lot of money. He's like... A, yeah, he just has a lot of money. I don't remember what the fuck he does. That's a okay. very good question. <laughs> yeah. So he's some high level in the town. Mayor, sheriff, something. A lot of money. In this small town, and he's married to Elizabeth Banks, and apparently we learn it's because she was kind of she was poor and left on her own, I think, like her parents left or something like that. She was left, and she married to him because she thought it was the best avenue for her to get along in life, but she might not really love him. 
enter love triangle potential with with Nathan Fillion and Michael Roker and Elizabeth Banks. Can we talk about how Michael Roker's name in the movie is Grant Grant? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Can we, I, I just love that. Yeah. It's just discussed so nonchalantly in the film, but it's a funny bit that's just kind of passed off really quickly. Mm-hmm. I am looking up what he does right now. And I'm not seeing... Well, they're not being very clear, and it's bothering me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what? Yeah, he's some some high up in South Carolina, small folk town, whatever it is. And we learn... As Pete mentioned, it, it takes off pretty quickly. Where we, we go to the home of Elizabeth Banks and Michael Roker. And he... Wants to be intimate, and she does not. So that that sets him off to go into town to a bar to kind of be by himself on his lonesome to where he might uh, pick up a lady who he leaves the bar with. And he leaves the bar, and they go out into the woods, into the wooded area, and they start messing around for a second till he realizes there's some weird orb on the ground that's this weird thing. We don't know what it is. And it shoots him in the chest, and we see from, like, this x-ray vision shot, something crawl up into his brain. And from there, it kind of takes off of, like, there's something shot into his body, into his brain, that is maybe controlling him, maybe not. Uh, And he heads home. And I don't think that's, I guess, that could be the end of Act 1, roughly, is where he gets struck with the alien probe and he goes back home yeah it is weird how you i don't know how you would break down this movie because it's like like then the rest of it's like him slowly deteriorating like eating raw meat like and so disgusting and just like making (laughs) a nest and then like all those like dead animals in his basement (laughs) and then him like I'm trying to think what else. I know I'm jumping all over the place here, but I just feel like it's really like his him changing into like a creature. Um, mm-hmm. I think is the bulk of Act Two, and then like probably like after he attacks that one lady, he like almost hooked up with yeah. is like really when it starts getting towards like the climax of the movie is like probably like. But I know I'm I'm skipping over so much. Like I know there's mm-hmm. like. The the mayor who's an asshole. <laughs> I love that mayor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a, it's he's a good character. I like him. And then like you have like someone's teenage daughter at some point. I forgot what he what that guy does. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. On that like secluded farmhouse. Yeah, yeah. He's like the only survivor. Like I would say like when they chase Grant into the forest is probably like where Lindsay would jump in. But I'm trying to like stitch together what what mm-hmm. happened in between and I can't I don't think I remember everything, honestly. It's hard to kind of order like I can't remember the sequence in which things happen because it's all so crazy. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it's kinda of, it's difficult to break this down a little bit into acts, I would say. And there's more meat yeah. at the end of the movie, like there's a lot setting him up, but Pun intended? Yeah, it, it, it didn't intend it at all. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm glad it worked out that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, the second part, as you said, it's basically just a metamorphosis of Grant into, like, a creature. Yeah. From, like, human to, like, weird humanoid to, like, a creature that looks like a lobster type thing. Yeah, a very... A, very a job of the hut, if you Yeah, will. very blob-like. And that's, like, where... That makes me think of Slither because there's, like, a creature like that in society that mm-hmm. looks exactly like that. <laughs> Yeah, and he he's just like hoarding, like dead dogs in the basement, like in, in like, yeah, just just eating any meat he anything. can find. Yeah, because he's so hungry. That's like the whole premise. Is like they're so hungry all the time, they're like never satiated, including the woman who he. Yeah. Pregnant. Yes. That was a sight to to that. Yeah, Lin- Lindsay, you can take it take from here. <laughs> um. 
So I'm just going to read this off Wikipedia just for anybody that cares because there's just no better way to put it. Um, so what sure. happens to the woman that she, he attacks? Um, That's she, what I did in college. <laughs> um, mm. Like this group, like the cops and um, Starla um, stumble upon her because they're tr- trying to look for him. He ran off. Um, so quote, has become inhumanly bloated from the larvae living inside her. The slug-like larvae burst from her body. Um, and this is, like, absolutely disgusting to be watching. <laughs> um, and that, uh, like, so all these, like, little, like, worm-type organisms start, like, crawling out, and there's thousands of them. Um, and they get, like, everybody in the crew that's, like, working to take down um, Grant, except for Starla, Bill, the mayor, um, and then the teenager um, that we talked about briefly before. Like, her family, like, they're out, the ones out in that uh, kind of secluded house. Um, her family actually gets attacked, um, and she's the only one that's able to survive, like, you know, um, these, like, worm-like creatures. I don't know. And, like, they... Um, you know, each person get, that gets attacked by these, like, they become kind of a part of, um, like, a hive mind is how uh, Wikipedia puts it, controlled by Grant. So they're all Grant. Um, you know, they're all speaking as if they were Grant, and they have Grant's memories, and they can, like, speak to Starla, you know, as if they are him. So that's pretty creepy. Um, so, uh, let's see what happens after that um there comes a point where bill and the teenager kylie um they get separated from starla and the merit jack um you know they're kind of like starla has been spared at this point because she's his wife and he still has you know love for her but nobody else um so bill and (laughs) kylie have a grenade that they plan on using to kill Grant. Um, so at this point he's at home and, um, this is a pretty gross scene when you see like those that have been infected, um, being absorbed into Grant, um, who just keeps getting bigger and more mutated. Um, so several of them, including the mayor, are being turned into breeders for more larvae. And so, like, this has been affecting the entire town at this point. Like, most people are walking like zombies, and, um, you know, it just keeps getting worse. Um, and Jack, the, the mayor, who we love, um, asks Bill to put him out of his misery. So he does, and this is while Starla tries to gain Grant's trust. Um, you know, by saying that she loves him and all this stuff, but actually she tries to, like, once she gets close to him, she tries to stab him with her, like, uh, brush from her room. Um, but that doesn't work, and, uh, Bill tries to use the grenade that they have, but he fails when it's knocked by Grant into a pool. Um, Grant attacks both Bill and Kylie with his tentacles and a couch, respectively. Um, but in doing this, Bill is able to stick one of the tentacles to, a uh, propane tank and uh starla shoots him and so while he's filled with inflammable uh flammable gas um and being shot he dies and then as a result the rest of the aliens die too um and then the movie kind of just finishes us off as uh starla kylie and bill are the three survivors um and this isn't a post credit scene that I didn't stick around to watch, but um, I don't know if you guys watched this, but yeah, the last part. I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> they show a cat that, like, walks up to Grant's remains and um, gets infected by the parasite. So I don't know how that looked, but that's how it ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good job. I wrote part of that out. There's a lot to remember. It is a lot. There's yeah. there's a lot that happens in the last like twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, it definitely it ramps up. Well, yeah, I mean it it builds up. I mean it starts pretty quickly and then it ramps up after all those things come out. Yeah, born like it's nonstop. Um, I, I guess I have two things I would ask. The first one being though, what did you guys think? of the use of practical effects and CGI in this film. 
I think I know... it's I think it's done pretty well, honestly. Like, there's some moments of CGI that, like, okay, that looks a little like dated, but I think it uh, it ages a lot more gracefully than other movies because, like, this movie's over ten years old and still looks pretty damn good, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with him. Yeah, I think uh, James Gunn was like pretty conscious of using practical effects as much as they could. And so, like, when you see Grant, a lot of it, I mean, is practical effects. And a lot of those worm things you see are CGI, but they're so small that, like, it's not really jarring bad CGI or anything. So it's not like it's a huge monster that's like, oh, that looks really bad. It's these tiny little specks that are just, like, red dots almost. And then Grant is basically CGI. Oh, sorry, he's practical. Yeah. I think I, I was like having this conversation with Courtney, like how, like it came up after this movie, like how we should just continue to always blend the mix of practical and CGI, because like, you know, mm-hmm. it's stupid to get rid of one over the other, because like practical, I think, you know, if it, yeah, you could tell it's fake, um, but it looks really good, and like people put a lot of effort to make that look good, and but it's like not, not to take away from other like people that do that digitally but it it ages faster so like it doesn't look as good after a few years but like if you just find a way to combine the two like many movies have done in the past like especially with like i feel like spielberg kind of does that a lot like he just like is really good at like you know using stuff that's practical and then using cgi to expand certain parts like they did that in lord of the rings they did you know but if you do it too much like in The Hobbit, <laughs> yeah, it right? looks looks really bad. <laughs> yeah, I think if you use like CGI sparingly, or especially when you use like close-ups or medium close-ups, if it's supposed to be a monster or something, and it's practical effects, it's much more alarming and like for in this instance, body horror, it's gross. Seeing Grant yeah. in like that makeup, it's gross. But if it was CGI, I could tell it was a computer, and it would look gross, but I would know it's not a real thing. I would know it's like someone drew it up or created it. And I think if you can use it in that way, and then when like Grant slithers away later or earlier in the film, that's CGI clearly, but it's not jarring. It's, it's used to show how fast he is. It's not a close up. It's kind of pulled back. Yeah. He's far away. Yeah. Um, and it kind of looks menacing still cause he's like moved so quickly and he's so big, uh, but it's not a close up shot of him. And so finding that good blend, that good medium, um, is necessary in any film, but I think James Gunn did a good job in this one. I agree. Um, before we get into like, I think I, like box office or trivia, I, I just wanted to bring up uh, you guys' thoughts on this. And if it, I noticed one point in the movie is, is Starla and Grant are together, but Grant's a couple, several years older, right? He's supposed to be depicted as like, it could be your father almost. Right. Yeah, I could go along with that. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, what the age difference is, but it's uh, it's pretty significant. <laughs> yeah, and I found it, and this was like later on after like really trying to research the film. Is the first instance we see them together is he wants to be intimate, make a move, and she doesn't, and he takes that as, "Are you not interested in me anymore?" And like this ability for her not to be attracted to him is it because he's like older and he's going to be he's not as attractive anymore to this younger woman so the whole movie then is a body horror movie for him of slowly degenerating into this like gross monstrous parasite which is way worse than what he ever could have possibly expected (laughs) it's like yes which is what horror should do is like it, it preys on those fears that you have but it was like more subtle in this one because like his drive was like you know, at the beginning was like oh maybe she's not attracted to me and she definitely is not by the end of the film because you're a gross monster that eats everybody and, <laughs> and makes them your slaves essentially yeah no coming back from that <laughs> yeah yeah that's a very interesting yeah. take it makes sense though mm-hmm. yeah and I, I I picked up on it more explicitly when. Uh, with his actions where like at the beginning where he's still kind of humanoid but he has like that stuff on his chest but she uh, she doesn't know Elizabeth Banks Starla doesn't know and you can tell he's like hungry 
and he sees her in the shower and starts going towards the shower. And then he, like, stops himself. He's like, ah, I gotta go to the office. It's like, clearly the parasite is telling him that's what he wants. He's hungry. But Grant is still there. And he's like, no, I, I love this woman. I can't. I'm not gonna do that. Which is the how the movie then transpires forever. And even that last scene before he, like, spoilers, blows up. <laughs> like, the look in his eye is, like, very human. Like, reaching out. You can kind of see that he's still there. In, and even he's like, even though he's gross, he's still there mentally somewhat. Yeah. Grant Grant. Grant Grant. All right. So with that, do we have any trivia? Does this movie enlist itself to any trivia production notes of any sort? You know it. Uh. Insert. Trivia theme. Yes. So, as always, I like to go to IMDb for the trivia. Usually, you can find the best stuff there. Um, as we kind of already touched on earlier, um, I think we can see a lot of horror movie influences with this movie. Um, the director says uh, that he was inspired by and wanted to honor movies like The Thing, um, Return of the Living Dead basket case and the fly um so i think it does successfully pay homage to all of those and many more in the genre as we already kind of mentioned a few um so that's a lot of those direct uh, inspirations right there um i'm sure you guys probably caught this but um in the secluded house where the family is getting attacked there's the two younger daughters and uh right when they're being told like to go to bed um, one of them is reading the Goosebumps book, The Girl Who Cried Monster. And I, I just yeah. that was great. love that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure. I literally went Goosebumps. All of us read those growing <laughs> up, right? I screamed, I screamed at Decorny. I was like, she's reading Goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did too. <laughs> My girlfriend, Goosebumps. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And, and that, I don't know, that was kind of like... I mean, to me, like, Goosebumps were kind of like a 90s, you know, thing, I guess, you know, early 2000s. But this was 2006, and to see people, even if it's just in a movie, still reading Goosebumps, like, that was very heartwarming and reassuring to me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we know, this, this is actually kind of, I guess, one interpretation of it. Um, we know that our character, Grant, is pretty controlling of Starla. Um, and is always concerned about other men being interested in her. Um, and then when he gets the chance to sleep with Brenda, um, he actually ends up, ends up refuting her. Um, and the director explains that Grant died as soon as he was attacked and infected. Um, but what remained was still much of his personality, including his true love for Starla. So that explains why she's never, um, I mean, she doesn't suffer the same fate as the rest of them do. Uh, should we go into thoughts about this movie, Defend and Destroy? Or do you guys do you have one more tidbit that you like to share? I had one more tidbit I thought, um, which you guys might know, is uh, was this a box office success or flop? I already know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was no good. No. No good for Slither. Big, big bomb. Box office bomb. Yeah, right. I, I'm. It's weird because like, I don't know how you could like. It just has like it just screams like a cult following movie, so mm-hmm. it's just like I feel like it's hard to like market this movie. Yeah, I, I agree. It's. First of all, budget was fifteen million before marketing, so it was like thirty million total. Only made thirteen million at the box office. And to what you said, Pete, the guy who ran the studio was like, it—it's really—it was really hard to market comedy horror at this time because comedy horror wasn't big in two thousand six. Yeah. And but he thought it was a great movie. That's why he produced it. And he's like, but we had to market it when nothing else was like it, and so people didn't go out and want to see it. Which is a, a great point, I think, to which I, I'm a spo- little foreshadowing of my Defender Destroy. I think this was a very good movie and it's a cult following. But if this would have came out like five, maybe ten years later, it would have been a hit. Like, 
like the comedy horror now, like Cooties, Little Kids, Tucker and Dale, Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. like comedy reflexive horror was like from like 2013 on. That's what people wanted, and this would if it was made last year. I feel like Slither would have been a box office success. Yeah, that was like at the tail end of like kind of like early Saw era where it's like everything was like torture porn like people like to say. Hostel. Yeah, it was yeah. like that was there very much that era of horror in the early to mid 2000s for sure. 100%, yeah. I guess it was well received by critics um, right? But it mm-hmm. just didn't have that uh, commercial following until later. Yeah. Like it's still, yeah, critical reception was good and it's 86 on Rotten Tomatoes. Like people, that's pretty high. Them. Yeah, I don't have anything else unless you guys want to go into Defender Story. That's exactly yeah. what I was gonna say. Is like, who wants, <laughs> who wants to start off? Um, I can. Um, mm-hmm. so as I said, I wasn't too sure what to expect about this movie because I didn't know anything about it. Um, and like right from the get go, when we start out with a meteor hitting the Earth, I really wasn't too sure about what was about to transpire um but um I actually really liked the direction it was going in pretty shortly after because I just it, it was sci-fi but it wasn't too sci-fi um and I enjoyed the humor sprinkled without um it does sort of remind me of some of the horror movies we've already watched like Dead Alive and Dead Heat in terms of like the gross factor um but also them kind of zombie-esque um movies too like Train to Busan um you know like we've talked about it's got horror comedy and sci-fi elements to it um I thought the pacing was really good um it was disgusting and I think it was truly made for horror movie fans um and so it's a B movie but it's a lot of fun and it's a defend for me I totally forgot that we did Dead Alive. I literally forgot we did that movie. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Like <laughs> I remember that was pretty traumatic for you, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a that's a very gross movie. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I guess I'll go next if that's okay with you, Matt. Yeah, go for it. Um obviously I picked this movie for a reason I liked it. Um I would say I don't like it as much as I used to. I think, um, you know, I don't know. It's not like it's a bad movie. I think now, like, viewing it much later, I was like, oh, it's not as good as I remember, but still, like, a good, like, little horror movie, like, made on a smaller budget, and, like, definitely, like, we've pointed out all the good things. Like, it's, like, got good comedy. It, like, uses its resources very well. And, like, I think, like you said, Lindsay, like, if you're, if you like horror movies, like, it's definitely, like, something you should seek out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's a defund. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, to follow that up, I will round it out with a unanimous defend. So, for all three of us, I I really enjoyed Slither. It, it was on my, my list forever since 20, from 2006 when I was in eighth grade. And it took me <laughs> what what is it 14 years to finally get around to it yeah so that thanks pete you're Uh, welcome (laughs) (laughs) so it took me forever but i was pleasantly surprised like all around uh agreeing with Lindsay, it was great pacing like it's 95 minutes which is good for a horror movie it's it's like a nice length but the rising action was constant something was always going on and even though it's like aliens and zombies it was believable rising action that kind of one thing led to another, to another, to another, until finally the climax. So I was always engaged. The practical effects were great, I thought, uh, mixed with the CGI. It was gross. Like, there was a lot of gross scenery in this movie from Grant's metamorphosis. Like, a lot of that. Like, the things coming out of his chest uh, just to, like, like look like rashes almost at the start. Yeah. Became, like, even that was gross before he became the full-blown monster. He was, like, drooling and, like, had a bunch of teeth. Uh, it it was gross, and but then funny, <laughs> like funny at the right moments where like, like the mayor would break in with great cathartic moments where like you would say what the character, the character would say what you were thinking probably, yeah, um, and, and made a funny joke that was like 
like okay great like it's not just me who thinks that's crazy the characters think it's crazy as well so it was all around it's a fun movie it's uh, it's a fun movie to to check out I'm so defend with that in mind I, I think it's to view it to it's Amazon Prime you can rent it uh, I, I'm not sure if it's on Shutter Pete do you know no, it, it it wasn't on Shutter. Like, like I remember saying that like the only reason I was able to watch it because I rented it from like a local video store, and like I'm pretty like Lindsay. Okay. I'm sure you had to rent it as well, right? From like Amazon. Uh, I would not recommend watching it on one, two, three movies, which is what I did. <laughs> so yeah, you're better off just renting it. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> at least I mean, hey, that's a way to save yourself some money. Whatever. That was the yeah. idea. Yeah, it's like, hey, these are trying times. We gotta <laughs> cut exactly. cut down some costs. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you can find it on the internet, whether for rent or through whatever other site you find, but not by subscription. No <laughs> subscription will offer this for you. Yeah, unfortunately. Find, yeah, Google and iTunes and Amazon, wherever. But yeah, check it out. Um, but thank you for tuning in for this other episode by James Gunn 2006 we've appreciated it in the meantime get at us on Facebook Twitter our website we love hearing from you on the forums what you want us to do blogs to write we're writers we love writing we want to know what you think leave us a review on SoundCloud or uh, Apple Podcast that's where you'll find us really you're not going to find us on Spotify but you can try you can try how you want <laughs> you may find I don't us. know how to do it <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have but, to pay. <laughs> yeah, you But thanks for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Matt Johnson. And I remain in the shadows where I'm going to go watch the season premiere of What We Do in the Shadows. Ooh, I got to watch that. <laughs> um, I'm Peter, and I have nothing clever to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lindsay Clark. Goodbye. <laughs>